Welcome, welcome to Every Day and welcome to our new series. A series that will take us from now through to the final weeks of July. So far this year, we have reminded ourselves of our vision and our values. We have talked about who we are and why we are here. We've reminded ourselves that actually why we are here, our purpose, our kingdom calling, flows out of our identity in God. That we are image bearers and therefore we are kingdom bringers. That our character, our identity comes before gifting or purpose or activity. And over this last week, we have been specifically focusing on prayer. We've had our week of prayer. We've focused on prayer personally and corporately. And we've recognised that this isn't something we want to do for a week. We don't just want to spend a week listening to God. No, we want that to be part of our lives. And to help us refresh and re-establish and renew our rhythms of prayer, we're encouraging one another all the way through Lent to actually be listening, to be thinking about how we might establish a rhythm of prayer where we seek God in the morning through the Lord's Prayer, where we call out for our friends and family and neighbours in the middle of our day and where we end our day with prayers of thanks. Well done to all of you who've already kind of fed back to us about things God might be saying. Please keep doing that through this season of Lent, either through the website or by email or by chatting to one of your local leaders, your life group leader, your venue leader, your venue leadership team. But today we start a new series. We start today a walk through the book of Exodus. Let me read to you just the opening verses of the book of Exodus. This is Exodus chapter 1, just the first eight verses. These are the names of the sons of Israel who went to Egypt with Jacob, each with his own family. Reuben, Simeon, Levi and Judah, Issachar, Zebulun and Benjamin, Dan and Naphtali, Gad and Asher. The descendants of Jacob number 70 in all, for Joseph was already in Egypt. Now Joseph and all his brothers and all that generation died. But the Israelites were exceedingly fruitful. They multiplied greatly, increased in numbers and became so numerous that the land was filled with them. Then a new king, to whom Joseph meant nothing, came to power in Egypt. Today we're just going to do an introduction, not just to the book, but to this series we're going to ask ourselves some questions as we seek to unpack this book over the coming weeks and months. We're going to ask the question, how are we going to do it? We're going to remind ourselves why it is so important that we dig into Scripture. And then we'll ask ourselves, what are the key themes we will encounter in this amazing book of the Old Testament? So, how? How are we going to do it? Well, we are going to preach sermons on Exodus. There are 40 chapters in Exodus and we've only got 19 sermons. So even a basic understanding of maths, you'll know that if we were going to cover every single verse, each of these sermons would be about three hours 
long. Don't panic. I'm only going to talk for a couple of hours this morning. These sermons are not the whole story. They're going to be part of the story. Rather than thinking of this as a sermon series, we want to think of this as a journey, as a walk through this book, if you like. We are going to walk through Exodus together as a covenant community. That will include 19 great sermons online and in our venues. But it will also include a reading plan and some devotions. We have broken down these 40 chapters into daily readings of between 8 and 10 verses. So starting on the 26th, starting today, if you're watching this on the 26th of February, we are going to start reading through the book of Exodus as a covenant community. Each day, Sunday through to Friday, with a catch-up day on Saturday if you need it, We're going to read the verses of Exodus that we'll be preaching on and meditating on and thinking about. Alongside that, we'll have a weekly devotion, a video devotion and a written devotion. We're encouraging you to watch those, to read those, to unpack them in your own personal times with God. But we also want to recognise that opening up Scripture, walking through this book of Exodus... It's not a solitary activity. It's a team sport. We can learn from one another. We learn from discussing and praying and asking questions and working stuff out as a covenant community. In the big, on a Sunday gathering, but also in the small, in our households, in our friendship groups, in our life groups. We want to encourage you to use those video devotions in your life group, to use that six, seven, eight minute video to focus yourselves on the verses you've been reading that week, on the passages that have been preached about that week. We want to walk through this book together. All 40 chapters. We want to go on an adventure together in the book of Exodus. Why are we doing this? Why spend this time reading Scripture? Well, not to make God love us more. We don't open the Bible each morning in the hope that our Bible reading will impress God. God is our Heavenly Father. He delights in us. He delights in you, every one of you. He sings over you. He loves you. Jesus died for you. We don't read the Bible out of some duty. Oh, maybe God will like me today if I've read enough verses. We don't read the Bible because that's what Christians do. Oh, what is a Christian? Oh, yeah, I pray. Oh, yeah, I go to church. I don't really want to go, but I thought to go, I'm a Christian. And oh, I read my Bible. No, we don't do it for that reason. Reading Scripture and studying Scripture together should become our habit. It's a good habit to have, but it should be our habit because we recognize that it is in opening the pages of Scripture that we're equipped, that we're made aware of how much God loves us. How do I know that I'm not reading the Bible to impress God? How do I know that God loves me? Well, because of Scripture. 
because of the truth of these words. The, the Word of God, Scripture, equips me, enables me, empowers me, restores me, encourages me, blesses me, lifts my spirit. As Paul says in his letter to Timothy, As for you, continue in what you've learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you've known the Holy Scriptures. What are, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now this might seem a bit like Bible reading 101, but we need to remind ourselves of the power and the purpose and the, of the Word of God. It's the Word of God that reminds me of my relationship with God established on the work of Christ, my salvation. It is the Word of God that teaches, rebukes, corrects and trains me in the context of that relationship, my sanctification, me becoming more like Jesus. It is the Word of God that secures me in that relationship, that sanctifies me into the likeness of Christ and equips me, we're told, for every good work. What are those good works? They're the good works of the kingdom. They're signs and wonders and social action. How does the Word of God do this in my life? Well, let's remind us of another couple of famous descriptions of the Word of God. Hebrews 4 verse 12 says this, For the Word of God is alive and active, Sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates, even dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Well, James 1, 22 to 25, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Scripture here is described as a sword or a scalpel and a mirror. It's when I open up the Word of God, as we open up Exodus together, as we walk through this incredible book together, we have reflected back to us who we truly are. The good and the bad. The bits that are like Jesus, the bits that are not like Jesus. We have reflected back to us the truth of who God is and how he feels about us. We also receive this scalpel, this sword that under the power of the Holy Spirit cuts through the facade of what I want to see and who I want to be and tells me who I really am. And in doing that, doesn't judge me or condemns me, but makes me open to those bits that are not helpful to be cut away. We live in a world where we can consciously and subconsciously surround ourselves with truth that blesses us, that makes us feel better. Now, Scripture will do that. 
Scripture cuts through the nonsense that we're told about our identity being in what we earn or what we wear or what we look like or what size we are or the job that we do. Scripture cuts through that nonsense. But it also cuts through self-deception. We know that our social media feeds will just reinforce the preferences that we already have. We know that social media and advertising is so clever, it tailors itself to us now. And just says, yeah, no, you're okay. Carry on doing that. And yet scripture does not do that. If we are not careful, we can allow the culture around us to shape our view of the world. Our view of God. Our view of ourselves, our view of others. We can even allow the world and our culture to shape our view of Scripture. These images of a mirror and a sword remind us that actually the opposite should be true. We do not decide about the Word of God based on our culture or what we think. No, it is the Word of God that should shape us. It's the Word of God that should transform our culture. Our culture, our views, our thoughts need to come under the authority of the Word of God. And that's why we're going to spend this time. That's why you're listening to this sermon and hopefully taking some notes. That's why you're going to read through the first couple of chapters of Exodus over the next week. That's why we're going to discuss them in our life groups and our friendship groups and our households because we want the Word of God to shape us. As the psalmist says in Psalm 119 verses 9 to 16, How can a young person stay on the path of purity by living according to your Word? I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you, the psalmist says. Well, I can't hide what I haven't found. I can't store what I haven't retrieved. I can't build my life on something that I haven't used as a foundation. We must dig into the word of God. So why... Exodus. We've said, how are we going to do this? We've reminded ourselves of the importance of the Word of God in our lives. But why Exodus? I mean, there are 66 books in this library we call the Bible. The Word of God contains beautiful riches. Why choose this particular book? What is it about Exodus that is going to bless us? Well, the answer is so, so much. I'm going to try and give you some headlines over the next 10 minutes, which we will then unpack over the coming weeks and months. Firstly, Exodus is an adventure story. It is no surprise that Disney and Hollywood have drawn on this book for its latest blockbuster. 
depending on your age, you may have watched the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston or the, listened to the songs in Prince of Egypt or viewed the ridiculousness of Exodus priests and kings. Okay. They're all okay. Prince of Egypt is the best. They tend to focus on the first half of the book. And I understand that because in the second half when you're reading the instructions on the tabernacle and what it being built, it doesn't make for great TV. But we will find it's vital for understanding the heart of God and our relationship with him. Exodus is an adventure story. It has heroes and heroines and villains. It has dramatic victories and devastating disappointments. It has miracles of provision and protection. It is a narrative that draws us in and grabs our attention. What is more, it is a narrative that points us to the great narrative. It points us to a narrative of personal and world history. Exodus is a story within a story within a story. As we dig into Exodus, as we focus on this book, we will find that the more we focus in, the more we will focus out. God will draw us in. As he tells this story of rescuing a people and drawing them into relationship with him as a nation. How does Exodus do that? How does the divine scriptwriter do all of this? Well, at multiple levels. In the Hebrew scriptures, Exodus is not called Exodus, it is called These Are the Names based on the first words of the first chapter. Our title, Exodus, actually comes from a a document called the Septuagint, or a Greek translation of the Old Testament. It was the Septuagint that was used most often by the early church. Our word Exodus is is a transliteration from the Greek. Ex, out, Hodas, walk or journey. So it literally means the way out or the walk out. Even in these different names, we discover something of the beauty of Exodus. These are the names, the Hebrews call it, because it's a book about people. It's a book about a family. It's a book about a nation. These are the names reminds us that people matter. Every person we encounter, from a Hebrew midwife through to Moses himself, everybody matters. It's a book about relationship. It's a book about family. It's a book about covenant community. But it's also a book about an event, a rescue, a redemption, a way out. It's a book that focuses on relationship. So it's all about family but also focuses on action, on task, on kingdom, on adventure, because it is both. And within this tension of the personal and the productive, the book displays the ups and downs of a nation in relationship with God. It's like a range of mountains with highs and lows, with mountaintops and valleys. Moses is protected and rescued and prepared for greatness, mountaintop. Moses meets God, meets God, 
at the burning bush, mountaintop. The Red Sea parts and the enemy is destroyed, mountaintop. Sinai is reached and the law is revealed, a literal mountaintop. The tabernacle is completed and God's presence descends and dwells with his people, mountaintop. But Moses doubts himself, the people reject his leadership and complain, valley. The people grumble in the desert and revolt against God, valley. While Moses is up the mountain, the people create an idol and worship it, very deep valley. Within this roller coaster narrative, Exodus reveals key characteristics of who God is. God is sovereign over history. God reveals his eternal essence in his name, I am. God is the God who remembers his covenant. God is holy and totally other. And yet he is a God who hears the cry of his people, listens to their cry, sees their pain, and becomes the God who steps in. We have a God in Exodus who saves. That we are displayed, we are, we are shown a God who is full of righteous anger and justice, but who delights in mercy. We see a God who speaks, a God who longs to dwell in the midst of his people, a God who is worthy of worship and brooks no equal. Within these themes, within these characteristics, within this up and down flow, we see that Exodus will be accessed on many levels. We can access Exodus on a personal level. Why do the highs and lows resonate with us? Because that's what we're like. That's what our lives are like. A combination of mountaintops and valleys. A Sunday where we have our hands in the air declaring God and a Monday morning where we're tripped up again by the idol of work or possessions or sex or money. The Exodus story speaks to us because it's our story on a personal level. We cry out to God personally and discover he hears our voice and answers our prayer. We can grumble when we feel our prayers aren't being answered. This is a personal story that we connect with on a personal level. But we can also access it on a corporate or national level. We discover this is Israel's story. It is the narrative to which they will keep returning. R.A. Cole, in his commentary on Exodus, says this, what the cross of Christ is to the Christian the exodus is to the Israelite. What the cross of Christ is to the Christian, the exodus was to the Israelite. As we study, as we walk through this book, we're reminded that this was Jesus' history. This was the history of the early church. This is our history. The book of Exodus is referred to 91 times in the New Testament. We connect with it personally, we connect with it corporately as we connect with our big story, our meta-narrative. We understand this book globally. 
It deals, we will find, with the big themes that affect our world today. Oppression and slavery. This is a book about slaves being released. This is a book about racism being challenged. This is a book about national identity and the structure of a fair society. This is a book that reminds us that God is on the side of the oppressed and the outcast and the marginalised and so should we be. Most importantly, Exodus reveals the global and eternal pattern of redemption. We just look at Moses, we see this boy born into oppression, hidden in a basket, literally an ark, placed in the water. He is lifted out of the water and saved, and he is named redemptively, I drew him out, Moshe, I saved him, I rescued him. Moses experiences his own exodus before in his own life. And then he grows up and witnesses oppression. And Moses steps in and rescues. And Moses flees to the east. And Moses witnesses oppression again in the daughters of royal. And Moses rescues them and provides water in the wilderness. Again, rescue, the provision of water. Moses is then hidden for 40 years. Moses returns and challenges oppression. Moses rescues the people and they are saved by the blood of the Passover lamb and they pass through the water into safety. And Moses leads them into the wilderness in the east and God provides bread and water through Moses' leadership. You see, the narrative keeps repeating. People under oppression who receive a saviour and are saved through water and are provided with resource and meet with God. It is in Moses' name and it is in every season of his life. And by now you know where we're going with this. You know what person this is really talking about. It's talking about Jesus. Why study Exodus Because it points us to Jesus. As we read this narrative, as we study this book, our eyes are meant to be drawn to the one who is greater than Moses. Jesus. What do we see in the life of Jesus? Well, Jesus' birth is announced to faithful women who honour God. Jesus is born under oppression. Jesus' life is threatened and escapes to Egypt. Jesus is protected and yet still grows up under oppression. Jesus goes through the water of baptism. Jesus goes into the desert and where the people of God in Exodus fail in the valley, the Son of God triumphs over temptation. Jesus declares that he is the great I am. Jesus provides bread and is the bread of life. Jesus meets with the woman at the well and declares that he has the water of life. Jesus is the Passover lamb and his blood makes a way for all peoples to defeat death and enter into a relationship with God. Jesus is the new tabernacle and ascends to the Father that the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, 
will dwell, will literally, the New Testament says, tabernacle in the heart of every believer. Jesus' life, death, resurrection and ascension will break down all dividing walls between all races and people groups. So that amongst the people of God there is no fear and greed, for amongst them there was no need. Why are we going to walk through Exodus? Because we want to bump into Jesus. Jesus. In this book, in this 40 chapters, we will see incredible truth. We will see a pattern of salvation. And in that truth and in that pattern, as we walk through it day by day, we will be rubbing shoulders with Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the maker of heaven and the earth, the great redeemer, the great salvation, who makes it possible for God to dwell with us and establish a people who declare his kingdom to the nations. Let's pray. Father God, we are so grateful for your word. As we spend time over these months digging into this one book, would you open up your heart to us that we might know you more deeply, that we might receive more blessing from you, that we might be a blessing in our neighborhood, in our nation, and to the nations. Amen.